Hello, and welcome, my love. Come on in, sit down, relax. We got another week of video game frivolity coming your damn way. This week, Pokemon Go trying to make Pikmin bloom, a Marvel game birthed from Uncharted's womb, and the Switch expansion is all doom and gloom. Make sure you follow us on all the socials at Another Castle CA. My name is Jordan D'Souza. And the good news is, I'm joined by Diego Cochting. Rodrigo Cochting. The bad news is that your podcast is in Another Castle, episode 21. Episode 21, boys. Thank you for coming by, as you do always. And thank you, listeners, for listening, as you should be doing always. You should be doing always. Thank you for coming by. This week, I have to start out with some housekeeping, gentlemen. We had a very important poll on our Instagram story that needed to be answered. We needed to find out, as Rodrigo coined last week, the Beethoven bop is when (laughs) there's a song that slaps so hard, much like Beethoven's songs had once slapped. So it made me wonder, who is the better Beethoven, the composer or the dog from all those films? (laughs) So I put up a little poll Mm -hmm. on our Instagram story. And I'll tell you what, it was unanimous. People love the dog. People do not care about (laughs) this old white man composer. They're all about Beethoven the dog. I mean, I think the internet has an animal bias, right? Like, I, I think it's hard for a dog to lose a pole. Mm-hmm. But to Beethoven? I mean, I guess no one really cares about Beethoven. I guess I, I overestimated the importance of Beethoven <laughs> in 2021. People don't care about classical music, so... No. Such a shame. Such a shame, these people. Something they also didn't care about, apparently, is Danganronpa 3. Because I put <laughs> a poll for who would win Game of the Year 2017. It was, it was very much unanimous. It was Zelda Breath of the Wild. I made a little a picture for the Instagram page. Usually I make like one or two for like some of the nominees that might be close. I didn't bother mm-hmm. making one for Danganronpa. It was, <laughs> it was Zelda. It was Zelda by a sweep. Nice. I mean, like it's always with something like that, that there's enough like people that want to make the joke vote that, you know what I mean? Like everybody wants to joke vote and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. the, the joke wins. That was yeah. honestly kind of my fear. <laughs> I was like, am yeah. I going to have to come to these guys next week and be like, guys, I... A couple of my friends voted on the poll, and they voted Danganronpa. Should we give it to Danganronpa, or should we just let it be Zelda? But no. <laughs> but if, if, if you put up a poll, and that's what wins, and you just got yeah, to announce it. you have to respect. Oh, God. I already know. made the picture and everything like days ago. I don't know. I couldn't do it to myself. Or else people are going to come out and start protesting, you know, like those Donald Trump mm-hmm. people. Stop exactly. the count. <laughs> stop the count. This is much more important than whatever Donald Trump was doing. So mm-hmm. we had to stop the count once the count was finished. So mm-hmm. Zelda. Breath of the Wild, congratulations. It is no surprise to anyone, the casty mm-hmm. winner for 2017. D- Danganronpa was like, stop the count. <laughs> <laughs> they stopped it right at the beginning when it was 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah. Yeah. We're tied. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I bring us to matters of this week. We're leaving Breath of the Wild, we're leaving Danganronpa in the past. I must know, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're playing Zelda or Breath of the Wild this week. I'd imagine not. But Rodrigo, <laughs> I'm going to start with you. And I need to know, what you playing? Um, I've still been playing, you know, the, the, some of the usuals. I play Magic the Gathering every morning, getting my XP up. I play uh, Grindstone every day, trying to get towards the ending. Trying to grind. I guess the new thing that I was, uh, new, new thing that I'm trying to get to, that I've been playing this week, has been uh, Mario Party Superstars. I bought it mm. uh, last weekend, and it's uh, it's a hit, you know? Like, I think... If you were a fan of like these old N64 Mario Party games, like they have just made them look beautiful. And other than that, everything's still pretty much the same. The boards are 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 like I, I guess it depends. Like we played one uh, on Friday that had a, a bit of uh, you know hijinks, which is maybe not everyone's favorite part of Mario Party. But I kind of enjoy like this element of randomness, and I honestly do not play Mario Party to win the board. I do my best to win the mini games, and then for the board, I kind of almost enjoy when it's like chaotic. Like I, I love a last minute three star stealing of the game <laughs> just by not winning a single mini game. Believe it in God's so, hands. So yeah, mm-hmm. I I enjoy it. I do like I do get competitive about trying to win like the mini game specifically. The board overall, I'm like, whatever. This is like just a bunch of random shit at the end. And I kind of enjoy when when that happens. So how many blisters did you get from playing this game this week? <laughs> I, we, I, I still have not played that one on, on purpose. Like we played it once like by two, like, sorry, by, uh, you know, like on randomly on a board. We played it once like on purpose, selecting it from the mini game uh, selection. But that mm-hmm. was about it. Um, and 
yeah, like I, I think we went okay. Honestly, more than concerned for my hand or any potential blisters, I'm concerned for ruining my control. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to take it easy. Mm-hmm. That's fair. As, as a kid, you don't care about these controllers. Money means nothing to you. Yeah. You just have to win at all costs. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, Diego, uh, while Rodrigo has decided he will not win at any cost, I, I must turn to you, Diego, and I will ask you, which plan? This week, I've been playing some more Slay the Spire. And uh, so far, I've finished the game already with the first two characters. Uh, the first character is called the Ironclad. And he's like a character that's more based on like direct combat with heavy hits and heavy defense. And the second character was uh, is called the silent character. And he's more focused on several smaller hits, like using daggers and poisoning your opponent. And yeah, so I finished the game with those two so far. I'm working on the I'm finishing the game with the next character, which is called the defect. And his strategy is based on like evoking orbs that kind of just float around you. And um, they either give you like a passive advantage if you don't use them or they give you like a a stronger advantage or like a stronger attack or defense if you do use them. And yeah, that's that's um, one of like one of the three original characters uh, that I'm working with right now, but I still haven't finished the game. There is actually a fourth character that is named the Watcher that was included later on because of, I guess, popular Mm -hmm. demand. And uh, I haven't got around to playing that character at all, so I have no idea what that one's based on. But uh, as I said, I'm still I'm still trying to finish it with this one uh, character because you can tell by like the ending that you get from the other characters that like once you finish it with the three, something else is probably bound to happen, right? Uh, pretty much like when you finish the game, you get to this one scene where you're supposed to beat up this darkened heart, and at that point, the game kind of tells you like your stats, like how much damage you did, and so on. And then you kind of just pass out and you get this message that says the end with like a question mark at the end. And the final screen is this one screen where it shows the symbols for the three characters. And so far, I've filled out the two, still missing the last mm-hmm. one. As I said, I'm assuming that there's maybe another boss fight at the end or who knows, maybe there's more game afterwards. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun to play. Uh, as I did mention last week, though, the game is not as casual as you would imagine. Uh, a full run might take you about an hour if you make it to the last boss. It may be more, but it's it's uh, incredibly addicting. Once you finish like one level, you immediately want to play the next one because in each level you're rewarded new cards. And uh, since you get new cards, you immediately want to see like, oh, I want to see how this works. Right. You just keep on playing and playing and it's like an endless loop, really. But it's it's a lot of fun. And. I'd say out of like the deck building games that I've played, this is definitely one of the best ones that I've ever played. And the beauty of it is that unlike playing in real life, the computer is doing all the processing for you, right? <laughs> or what most people know as like the scripting part. And yeah. that's that's kind of like the cool part of board games in a video game form that you really don't have to keep track of a lot of things. But, you know, it's I mean, it's always fun to play board games with your friends because it's more about like, you know, spending time together, having a blast. But if you want to learn to play a board game, I would say the best way to learn it is through playing the video game video game version. But yeah, play the Spire. It's definitely a lot of fun. I've been pretty hooked on that, and that's pretty much what I've been playing throughout this whole week. I'm sure I've asked you before, but is there a titular Spire that you must slay in this game? Yes, there is. Yeah, Splendid. yeah, that's. Yeah. That's, I have no follow up. That was the only thing. I, <laughs> I just want to make sure it wasn't false advertising. That's what I'm working. You know. On. <laughs> Of the characters that are available, like the one that I choose by default is always that fourth one that you haven't played with. Oh, the Watcher? Yeah, that's the style that I prefer of of the four styles of decks that, that are available. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, like, I don't even know how she plays, but I've played the other ones. And mm-hmm. I thought the first one was my favorite. But then once I started playing the second one, I was like, oh, this one's really cool. And I started playing the third one. And I was like, I don't know if I like him at all. And then the more I play, I realize I, I kind of do like the the whole different strategy that you have to do with the orbs. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I found that I found that one to be very uneven in the sense that some sometimes I would go through a run and mm-hmm. it would be hard. And then sometimes it was just Super so easy. good that it was like so much stronger than everybody else. Yeah. Uh, the, the fourth character, if I had to compare it to something in your terms, I would say it's kind of like uh, Gen or Jen. I'm not sure how you pronounce it from Street Fighter in the sense that it's like you change styles. Oh, okay. And then there's like benefits to changing styles and so on. Nice. Well, as Rodrigo was the watcher in his game, 
I was the watcher is and I was watching the queue for uh, the Mississauga library to see if it takes two would be available sooner. And it was not. I was like 20th in line. Oh, and no. my girlfriend really wanted to play it again. I was like, I'm, I'm an adult. I can just buy things with my real money. I just don't like buying things when they're not on sale, just like out of principle now, just because mm-hmm. now that I know everything will be so cheap, I can just wait. Anyway, mm-hmm. we bought it. It's charming as hell. We love it. There's... Eh, I think I said everything I need to say last week, but every time you play that game, there's a new level and it feels like there's something different right now. We're in like this ice world where you're skating around everywhere. You're grinding on rails like Tony Hawk, except it gets rid of like the little meter where you fall. If it goes too far on one side or the other, you're just zipping around. You're having a good time. It's a good time. And it's uh, the game, uh, the game pass game for this month. Mm -hmm. If uh, listeners out there are on uh, our Xbox people, what's the Xbox equivalent of a Sony pony? Uh, an Xbox, Xbox Cox. Well, I'm glad you asked, and then you just picked your own. So thank you for asking. For all you Xbox Cox, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I can't nice. imagine why we don't have an Xbox audience. Mm-hmm. Another game that I was playing this week was also Super Mario Party All Star or Super Mario Mar- Super. Oh my God, what's it called, Rodrigo? Super Party. Uh, Super. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I can't even say it anymore. You confused me. Mario Party you broke me. Superstars. Mario Party Superstars. Oh my God, they put the super at the end instead of the beginning, and yeah. it messed my whole brain. Anyway, mm-hmm. I played it. Over the weekend with some friends, and I hate it, and I came last, and the game's unfair. And that's all I will say about it. That's all there is to be said about it. Yeah, man. Ruins friendships. Yeah, I, I think if you're not good, you hate it. Okay, thanks for dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final thing I was playing this week was I was finishing my Blackburn career in FIFA because I wanted to be done with it. I wanted to move on with my life and do other things. We won the Champions League. We won the Premier League. And I was like, okay, it's good. It's done with. It's over. Uh, eventually I'll get FIFA 22 and then uh, maybe I can even play a career mode where I just buy like free agents so that way it kind of limits me with what I want to do and I was like hmm, really I could just do that now in FIFA 21 <laughs> so I have started a career mode in FIFA 21 where I am now just buying free agents I got Forest Green Rovers up from the fourth division to the third division and free agency is broken because the third division uh, Forest Green Rovers are now captained by Sergio Ramos, who was a free agent Holy and was shit. like 87 overall. So literally, he's 87 overall, and the next best player I have on the team is like 71 or something <laughs> like that. So yeah, very broken, but I appreciate FIFA giving me this this very strong player who should not be playing in the English third division. Anyway, so that's what we've been playing this week. Another thing that we will play shortly are these words from our sponsors. Your podcast is in another castle is brought to you by Layered Butter. If you love movies, there's one book that you need on your shelf, and that's Layered Butter. Each issue is a deep dive into famous directors like Quentin Tarantino, genres like modern horror, or even famous characters like James Bond. Insightful essays are paired with breathtaking art inspired by the movies to make for the one book every cinephile needs. Head over to layeredbutter.com store and buy your issue today. And we have returned. Thank you for rejoining us, everyone. I have some news, and I will share it with you. First on the docket, God giveth, God taketh away. Niantic announces Pikmin Bloom, but also shuts down their Harry Potter game. So it's the latest game to come from the partnership between Niantic and Nintendo after the I'd say mildly successful Pokemon Go. It did okay for itself for a little while. Did okay. So, yeah, it's fine. So, it's similar in Pokemon Go, where essentially you go out into the real world, you find Pikmin seeds along your walks. The more Pikmin you find, the more you have to follow you around on your screen. You leave a huge trail of flowers in your wake, and the other players can see your little trail of flowers. In a sister story, Niantic is shutting down their Harry Potter game. So, the game was originally released in June 2019. So Wizards Unite, Harry Potter Wizards Unite is the name of the whole game, was largely based on the framework also set by Pokemon Go. Instead of playing as Pokemon trainers, though, you'd play as wizards from one of the four Hogwarts houses, battling monsters and collecting in-game resources as you walk around the real world. One of the biggest differences between Pokemon Go and Harry Potter Wizards Unite is that Pokemon Go made over a billion dollars this year, while Wizards Unite made 40 million. Which still seems good, not when the other game makes a billion in one year. So, gentlemen, I turn to you. I'll start with you, Diego. Does this Pikmin game seem of any interest to you, and how does it avoid the same fate that befell Wizards Unite? Um, I mean, it seems interesting because I'm like I'm always into what Nintendo makes, right? I'll give definitely give it a try. We'll see. We'll see how uh, far I make it with that game. 
Uh, like all things, it's usually a hype thing. So I'll start off playing it and then drop off like uh, quite soon, I'd say. Now, how how does it avoid the same death destiny that befell Harry Potter? I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> difficult to, to to see like if Harry Potter uh, didn't succeed in this. I don't know if Pikmin can can do so in the same way as well. But it's I, I think it was a surprising announcement. Um, it came on the anniversary of Pikmin and knowing Pikmin fans, I'm sure they would have preferred to have uh, Pikmin 4 announced as opposed to this game. But, you know, we got what we got. And from what it seems, it's very similar to Pokemon Go that you like you have to walk in the real world in order to achieve things in the game. But it's definitely like a much simpler looking game, right? There's no battling or catching Pikmin. So I think it's going to be like a nice additional app to have once you're maybe done playing Pokemon Go. Uh, clearly, the Pikmin franchise is not as big as Pokemon, so it's safe to assume that the game's not going to have the same impact. But uh, I also think the companies understand that and they're well aware, like both Niantic and Nintendo, they're well, well aware of what they're offering. Right. And I'm assuming that they've taken into uh uh, I, what their expectations would be of what this game is going to do right already because um, they they know it's definitely if the Harry Potter franchise didn't do well I'm going to assume that Pikmin is going to do just okay at best right um, but it's just one of the things though it just seems funny to me that not too long ago Nintendo stockholders were so upset that Nintendo wasn't producing games for mobiles and now they have so many apps I don't I don't think people are even uh, really able to keep up with like how many apps are on mobile at this point. And I'm sure it's a great source of revenue for them, but I assume that their main source of income still comes from selling Nintendo Switches and first party games. But, you know, I think I think it's going to be cool to have as an additional app. As I said, once you're done playing Pokemon Go, you just open up that Pikmin and then just, you know, see what you can do with that game. Uh, seeing that Harry Potter shut down, that was I'm thinking like if Harry Potter can't make that game work uh, in a similar way that Pokemon Go can, then I don't think anything else will. But it also kind of just puts into perspective how big the Pokemon franchise truly is. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like to me they maybe expected Harry Potter to do similar numbers to Pokemon Go, considering Harry Potter is also a massive franchise. So maybe they just temper their expectations and not have uh, so much of an investment in Pikmin Bloom so that it's just kind of a little side thing so that way when it doesn't do a billion dollars a year they don't have to go ahead and shut it down so i think that's probably the closest thing we'll get rodrigo i turn to you pikmin bloom are you blooming these little pikmin and how can these pikmin stay afloat in this this crazy pokemon go dominated world yeah i downloaded it um i downloaded this morning uh i i every day i would say i walk roughly about four kilometers i walk my dogs in the evening and i was like okay i'll try it out and it, it was fun it's a uh, kind of like an extra bonus if you're already walking you have something to do uh it wasn't available in the beginning but at some point in the the midpoint of pokemon go's life they allowed you to connect to um i guess like on an android phone like mine to google fit and so for example if you were walking you didn't have to have the app open as you were walking like that in that that those steps that you were taking will transfer over when the next time that you open the application and pikmin blue has that from pikmin bloom has that from the get-go so uh i did get a like a little notification saying like you have a pikmin that is ready to be pulled out of uh out of the ground because i had done like i think like two thousand steps or something and it's roughly every 1,000 at the beginning. And so that is good and that is important because I know that I'm not always going to have like my Poke my, my app, my Pikmin app open, but I do walk every day. And so I would hate for to have a day of like, oh, I walk like 12 kilometers today and then I forgot to have my app open. And now it's just like, what's the point of the, this damn app, right? So I do think that in that way, that's a good kind of quality of life thing that they take into consideration. And it does kind of make it, it's a nice reward for going out for a walk. I don't think that there is enough really in this game to motivate you to go out to extra walks just specifically for the purposes of doing more within the game. It needs some extra incentives. Uh, I do think that, yes, Pikmin is not as famous or as big as the Pokemon franchise, but 
conceptually, there's a lot that you can do here. You know, like you, like you explained, uh, as you're walking more, you're you're getting more pigment. You're leaving flowers behind. Um, when you get more pigment and you go for a walk, they bring you back like little things, like they bring you amber that they then eat. They bring you some extra pigment that you can plant. But if you have, say, like a hundred or two hundred, like what if they started bringing you some of like the landmarks of the city that you're in, right? Like I don't know, like if I had a thousand and they bring me city hall <laughs> or whatever the case may be, and so like there's a lot of things that you can do there. You know, pigment also battle within the the pigment franchise game. And so that's another thing that maybe could be included later on. I do think as it is, like I'm saying, it's not enough, I think, to to motivate people to do any extra actions for the specific purpose of this game. But if you are somebody that's already walking, that's already uh, having that kind of activity in your day-to-day life, then I do think that it's like a nice little bonus for you to come home and then kind of go through what you what what benefits you gain from going on that walk. I think, uh, you know, like it... The, the fact that they came out with this application gives me some hope uh, in some way, shape, or form that Nintendo hasn't forgotten about this franchise. But it's no Pikmin 4, like Diego said. And as a Pikmin fan, I, I do uh, want that game. And uh, I do hope that it comes soon. I wouldn't say soon, but it eventually is probably a safer way to... I mean, I don't even think that's safe at this point <laughs> because like, mm-hmm. they said that it was ready, like I don't know, I want to say like five, six years ago. Yeah. And there's been radio silence since then. Just means I keep getting closer. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember when Pokemon Go started having the integration that you were talking about where you didn't have to have the mm-hmm. app open and you would just walk. So when it first happened, my phone would like sometimes take the steps and sometimes wouldn't. So sometimes I go on like a huge hike and I'd come back and it's like, I thought that I walked like 0.2 kilometers. I'm like, what the fuck was the point of even walking? I might as well just stay at home, <laughs> which is not going to take these steps. Well, another thing that is blooming is a AAA story-driven Marvel game from the mind of Amy Hennig, who was the creative director for the first three Uncharted games. So it was announced back in 2019 that Amy was making a AAA game with Skydance Media, but we now found out that it will be a Marvel game that they are making. I'm just glad that she'll be able to make a new game, since she used to be working on a Star Wars story game, which EA basically yanked out from her years ago. So this is the first time she'll be involved in a major capacity with a game ever since Uncharted 3, which was 10 years ago at this point. So the game is being marketed as a narrative-driven blockbuster action-adventure and a completely original story and take on the Marvel Universe, though not much else is known at this time. Based on the games we're getting, it's likely it's going to have some very big character who's been in the movies. We've been seeing a lot with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, the Spider-Man movies. So I imagine we're going to get some character who we've already been seeing in these movies. Uh, I think it would be cool if she did like Days of Future Past and made that like into a bunch of games. Although I don't think they're going to be doing that. I thought maybe it was like maybe we'll get like a Captain America story. But I feel like we've kind of got most of the Captain America stories in these Mm -hmm. movies. So maybe it wouldn't be an original take. I'm just glad that she's making games again because Uncharted is great and I like it. Rodrigo. I'm going to start with you. How does this news strike you? And what story-driven Marvel game do you want from this project? When I was reading uh, this story, uh, I guess when I was reading the headline first, I was like, who is Amy Hennig and why does anyone care? <laughs> and then I, I Googled her and then found her a Wikipedia article. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she's the person that did Uncharted. No wonder this story has found its way mm-hmm. into Without the Without that context, it doesn't make any sense. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, to, not to be dismissive of her but it's just like I didn't know her and yeah. then I was like oh it's the Uncharted person so A I mean first of all like props to her and also probably a guarantee that she is going to be that this is going to be a good game because you know there is a certain pedigree that she's already been able to showcase in her previous work uh, when it comes to what property it was I was trying to think like what is a fun mix of kind of like adventure and historical and then it reminded me that this Friday we have The Eternals coming out or I guess the day of the pod, if you're listening to this. And I thought that like following, you know, Icarus or Makari or like one of the the Eternals, Cersei, perhaps, like I think that would be a, a brilliant thing that they could do. The other thing, you know, you mentioned Days of the Future Past, like my other note here, I was like maybe Eternals. And then I would also love to see the X-Men return to the the official mainstream video game capacity. Like I know we've been teased with this Wolverine thing which is is great but i do think that like the the x-men franchise has like an infinite amount of possibilities of characters 
that we could uh, definitely see being brought into the video game world. You know, maybe it is someone like Gambit that I'm not a fan of, but does have like a, a big fan base out there. And I think uh, kind of uh, lends itself to this uh, agile exploration adventure that that we've seen with Uncharted. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we should get a story from a character that we haven't really seen represented a lot, a character who there's not really a huge fan base for. So I say we get like a Deadpool game, probably like like not a lot of people are talking about Deadpool. I feel like getting a game like that would be great, but who knows? Does it just did, did, did they not make Deadpool games when the movies came out? Or is there they a made a Deadpool game, I want to say 2014-ish, and it had mm. Nolan North, the guy who does the voice of Nathan Drake as the voice of Deadpool. <laughs> right. And it yeah. was real good. I mean, I, yeah. the gameplay was so-so, but the game itself mm-hmm. was real. And it was very meta where he's like making pancakes and he's like, oh, you probably want a trophy for this, don't you? And then like a trophy pops up. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, you probably want it, another one, don't you? And then he just gives him another trophy. It was <laughs> also, yeah. also, he's in that Wolver- Wolverine Origins game, which was really good, except that mm. version of Deadpool is fucking terrible. He's actually yeah, the, he's the, the version Merc from with, the end of Merc the movie. without a mouth in that oh, one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose if he can't say anything. But what do I know? I don't make movies. Diego, I turn to you. This news, how does it sit with you? And what Marvel property is Amy Henning going to be making for us? Uh, it's, I think it's great news. It's, it's, uh, I like that Disney is producing so many Marvel games and that they're okay with shopping them around with different companies all of a sudden. I think they've had that stance for a while now since, uh, they announced that EA no longer had exclusivity to Star Wars and that several companies would now be able to produce their games. It seems that the same thing is happening with Marvel now, which to me is a good sign. Uh, I think now people are either going to make a good game that sells or they just won't get the opportunity to make a game for Marvel again. But that's, you know, that's kind of like the idea behind uh, shopping around with your with your property. Uh, also, the fact that Amy Henning is working on this is is a really good sign. Uh, I think that one of the things that I enjoy the most about the Marvel movies and um, I guess Marvel comics in general is that it's just a very quick paced narrative. Most movies uh, tend to condense heavy plots into just a couple of hours, and I think it works similarly in video games. So uh, Amy is someone that has worked with Uncharted for many years, and Uncharted is a heavily narrative game. She has a lot of experience doing that, and I'm sure she's going to do a great job with this this next Marvel project. So it's exciting to see that more people are getting their hands on these properties, and, and they get to put their own twist on them. And that's... I think that's a good thing because that's usually how comic books work anyways. I think comic books are uh, they're written and illustrated by different artists constantly. And it's cool to see that that's kind of happening with movies and video games, you know. And for uh, as far as a property that I want to see, I mean, I would like to see the X-Men. I would like to see uh, a new X-Men game out there. Uh, I don't know what like what other property it could be. I I'm keep thinking about it. I, I've never played a Doctor Strange game. I think that would be really mm-hmm. cool. I would love to see a Doctor Strange game as well, or even mm-hmm. even if you just play like a like a Wanda like a Wanda Vision style game, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Like have uh, Wanda and like um, Doctor Strange in like one universe. I would really love to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just have that'd like great. just her mental state. Uh, mm-hmm. You're just playing like random games during the House of M story. I think that'd be oh, that'd be crazy. That'd just be amazing. Splendid. So, Amy, uh, take notes. These are all the things that we would like from you mm-hmm. to make. Uh, we know you've been, uh, you haven't been busy for the last 10 years, so you need new ideas. So that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. The next thing that we are here for is to tell you that Nintendo's online expansion pack trailer is now their most disliked video on YouTube. So racking up over 100,000 dislikes in just about two weeks, it overtakes the previously most hated video on Nintendo's channel, which is a trailer for Metroid Prime Federation Force. So as we discussed in a prior week, the expansion pack costs $50 a year, more than double what the basic Nintendo Switch online plan costs. And as of right now, it comes with 23 N64 and Sega Genesis games and the Animal Crossing expansion pack. A lot of the complaints are based on the lack of games at launch, that the older games run kind of poorly, they don't really have a good control remapping, and basically they're just full of bugs, full of glitches. So Diego, I will start with you. Is this a case of maybe gamers never really being happy with what they have or is maybe a little of this anger warranted it seems like nintendo is kind of pricing this expansion pack based on what you're going to be getting in the future rather than what you're getting now so i don't Mm -hmm. know if maybe that does warrant some of the 
some of the fans being uh, putting their little thumbs down? I think it's a little bit of both of uh, both things that you just mentioned here. I I do see some points in arguing how they could be unhappy with like the price point maybe right now as to what it is. But it's also it's just the Internet being the Internet as always. You know, I think it's pretty uh, it was pretty well established that a lot of people are not happy with the pricing of the expansion pack. And this I think the the dislikes on the YouTube video is just a repercussion of that specifically. Uh, a lot of people are complaining about the quality of the N64 emulation. And I, f I feel that the backlash came from the increment of the price itself. I feel like if we had seen these N64 games as as shitty as they are, as glitchy as they are, without a price increase, people would still be bitching, but not as much. It's the prices. Mm -hmm. The prices was really hurting them right now, you know, and. Uh, I've spoken about this before and on the podcast where I did mention that Nintendo had seemingly like pigeonholed themselves when uh, they put out the NES and the SNES collection. I think they realized at some point that they had already established a price for the online. And at that price point, they really didn't cover um, what they were offering for the SNES and the NES collection. It's not they started to feel, I'm sure, that once they added so many games, it, like whatever the online base price was was not really covering what they were offering. So that's what like their reaction now for this expansion pack was to cover that price right away. Because what they're assuming is that like once we release all the games, that that price is going to seem more logical. Right now, it doesn't seem logical. It seems very expensive for what we're receiving on top of the fact that like these N64 games are glitching. It, that's the situation. I feel that's what's happening right now. People I mean, they're putting dislikes on the video, but what like what are those dislikes going to do? Really? I mean, it's not like Nintendo. They're not a YouTuber and they're like they're hurt. They're not hurting their feelings or something like that. You know, if you really want to hurt them, just don't buy it. That's the other thing, right? It's this, this expansion pack is optional. You don't have to buy it. If, if you were really interested in like playing these uh, N64 emulated games, there are plenty of emulators up there now. That being said, it's I'm one of those people that has been playing the expansion pack. And a lot of these complaints that I'm seeing aren't as warranted as, you know, people are trying to say. I see a lot of people online say like, oh, this is terrible. This is this and that. First of all, I played a lot of emulators and this one is, I'd say uh, it is bad, but that's the issue. <laughs> there's no good. There's no good Nintendo 64 emulations online. If you go look at the best one online, like on your PC, the anyone that you can get for free. This one matches the best one. I can tell you that much. So all those glitches like from The Legend of Zelda, the game, the music cutting out, that's even in the GameCube version that we got years ago from them. We still had those glitches and people still bought the game, you know? So the thing is, like, it's as I said, it's an optional thing here. You don't have to buy it. That'll like send a message to Nintendo. But the thing is, like, there's other things like the N64, like online play. I've tried that out and that actually works pretty well. Actually works a lot better than the uh, PC emulators that I've tried tried before, you know. So it's just like, as I said, it's a matter of what when you are going to purchase this. If you don't want to give Nintendo your money, don't do it. They're literally selling you games that you've bought years ago. Why would you do it? Why do people do it? I do it because it's a nostalgia thing, right? And that's why I have it like with me. So like, I'm not gonna go and put a like dislike on uh, on a video just because like I feel like. Uh, that's going to change something. It really is. That's not going to change anything. Nintendo's like they're they're ready for this. They know that they're going to make their money, whether it's now or by the end of 2022, when like their collection of N64 games is huge. It's funny because the people disliking it are probably the ones who have already bought these games like three or four times. <laughs> so Nintendo already has their money several yeah. times over and they'll get it back eventually when they do subscribe because that is inevitable. Rodrigo, I turn to you. Should these Nintendogs just be lapping up whatever Nintendo gives them, or is it maybe a little warranted to not enjoy having to pay so much when you don't get very much at launch? I mean, I think, yeah, the way you structured that last sentence, that's bang on. I think, yeah, if you don't enjoy something or you don't think you're going to enjoy something, you should not uh, purchase it. And that's, I think, like the part that is kind of confusing to me, because I think like the big barrier is that, like, for example, to play some games online, you have to now purchase an online service in most of these uh, modern-day systems, right? Like, otherwise, you don't have that online connectivity. And so if that were, like, what was being attached to it, like, I could understand kind of the anger. 
But the base level service is relatively cheap and comes with a Super Nintendo and the Nintendo and allows you to play online. The uh, expansion pack is not something that you need. Nobody needs it really, right? Like it's a choice that you can make if you feel like you're into these games, go ahead and do it. Now, that being said, like I can't speak to the technical level that Diego was speaking about the emulation, but I do think that uh, for other people, it, it is fair to say that maybe it's not up to their standard. And, and I think any company that puts out work that is not up to the standard is uh, absolutely free game to to be able to criticize and or in this case, you know, like dislike YouTube videos. But I would say like putting too much, uh, I guess, importance on, on a metric like likes on a YouTube video, is not really relevant to anything because, again, you don't really have a, a sense of like, how is it doing comparatively? Like what percentage of the install base for the online has then gone to buy the expansion expansion pack like that's something that nintendo knows and moreover you don't even really know if the people that are aggregating a lot of these dislikes are the people who this was meant to appeal to anyway right like uh, i'm i'm not trying to be like a a partisan here of like uh of these consoles but it is not a, a i guess like a secret that there's a lot of console wars happening in the sense that you know what uh, you know, like Nintendo fans like to talk shit about like other systems and vice versa. And so it's like it, it's a metric that is not really reflective of anything other than the Internet having fun doing that one thing, which is hitting the dislike button. Well, it's interesting. We'll see if everyone disliking this eventually buys it. I'd imagine they're disliking it after they've already purchased it and are yeah. like probably mid game. You already gave uh, you no. already gave them your money. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh well. Well, from something you don't have to buy if you don't want to something that you can't buy, the PlayStation 5. And this brings us to our quick bites, because Sony might be reviving Infamous and Sly Cooper for the PS5. Xbox-era co-founder Nick Baker stated that his, quote, OG Sony source, end quote, has confirmed there will be a new Infamous and Sly Cooper games which are in development and are returning 100% to PlayStation 5. Do we trust a man with Xbox and his Twitter handle with this news? We don't care. <laughs> We just want it to be true. Also, maybe he was listening to this podcast where we had the episode where I talked about Infamous, but probably not. Strengthening its relationship with PC gaming, Sony has formed PlayStation PC. This very much cements their recent stronger push for its games on the PC, and all of their PC ports will now be under this branded umbrella of PlayStation PC. And I know what you're thinking. I'm also upset that they didn't put this news out last week when we had a whole segment where we talked about it <laughs> on a PC. Sony's state of play also happened, and it really felt like a meeting that could have been an email. Some of the highlights for me included Kart Rider Drift. It looked like a very fun karting game, although the fact that it's free is both worrying and not worrying. I guess we'll see what's going on with that one. First Class Trouble also looks like Among Us if it had the production value and was made by the guys who made Hitman, which seems a lot of fun. But most importantly, and what you've all been waiting for, there's an update to Bug Snacks, which makes the Bug Snacks real big. And once again, I'm glad to be talking. About bugs now. Something I'm not glad to be talking about again is every fucking week I gotta talk about Activision Blizzard. Their CEO, Bobby Koktik, has requested a pay cut down to 60000 a year with no additional compensation until Activision, Activision makes substantial changes to its company culture. This comes four months after he got a $155 million annual bonus. So good for him for being so principled. In related news, Blizzard is already losing its first female studio co-head. So Jane O'Neill assumed the role in August and will step down at the end of the year and will transition into a new and unspecified role within the company. Bobby is going to have to starve at 60000 a year with the glacial rate at which the culture change is happening at that company. Sega and Microsoft announce a gaming strategic alliance. Sega is looking to use Microsoft's cloud computing technology to assist on making games in the future. Two companies had a long-standing work relationship, so really it sounds like a far-off dream they forecasted. Nice. Because I made Dreamcast. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, 50% of the podcast enjoyed that. That's all I want. <laughs> Pack South has been canceled indefinitely due to a lack of growth and COVID. In a move long forecasted for the future of gaming expos, Pax has announced that while their other events are still going to be ongoing, they have put an end to Pax South, as it's largely been the same show since 2014 with no notable growth. Sorry to all of our Texas listeners out there who are looking forward to Pax South. 24 years after release, GoldenEye 64 is no longer banned in Germany. A very long story short is that Germany has very strict rules on violent media, and for games this often meant being banned pretty much all over Europe, 
because of the fact that the German stores are linked to these European online stores. So usually when something gets banned in Germany, it just straight up gets banned all over Europe. So the thing that's interesting about this, though, is that these games are unbanned after 25 years. So it means that some way they have found a way to unban it a year earlier. A lot of people think it's because Nintendo was bringing it to their expansion pack. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Maybe that money is well spent. Nintendo has also slashed Switch production in the face of their chip shortage. So for all of you who are sad that you can't buy a PS5, you also can't buy a new Switch. Can't buy either one of them. New World has disabled all forms of wealth transfers after a gold exploit has been found. So we discussed before that players were basically just foregoing currency and trading with each other in this game since it was so broken. So in an attempt to fix that, they have basically just stopped allowing players to trade altogether. So once again, capitalism has found a way to ensure people are spending money. And finally, Returnal players have found a way around the save function in the game's latest patch. Basically, the suspend cycle function only lets you save once per run and deletes immediately after you return to that one. After, yeah, that run. So basically, what you gotta do is you back up your save to the cloud. Once it's deleted, you bring it back down from the cloud and you enjoy that sweet, sweet save scumming. One thing you can also enjoy are these sweet, sweet words from our sponsor. Your podcast is in another castle is possible thanks to the support of our good friends at Ola Translation. The Hispanic Ontario Language Agency, or Ola, is a translation agency based in Ontario, founded by four Hispanic Canadians who want nothing else but to help people around the world to communicate in their favorite language, Spanish. Head over to olatranslation.org and use code CASTLE for an exclusive discount only available to our listener. Say goodbye to Google Translate and say Ola to Ola Translation. And we have returned. Thank you for joining us, everyone. What Night Got next is our hot and fresh games. We need to find out what's hot, what's coming out this week, and what's fresh. I'm going to start with a game that I didn't even see on the document. I found it out because I turned on my PS5 and it was in the new game section. And that is Solitaire Conspiracy. So previously, it was on PC. It's a solitaire game with a story. And it's made by the guy who did Thomas Was Alone, who made a story game about small blocks. So I think it's going to be great. You play as a spy in an agency that's almost decimated, and you fight supervillains to save the world, I assume, by playing solitaire. What? I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it's going to be great. Oh I'll report goodness. back next week if I play it. But I have a game waiting for me at the library, which I'll also report on next week. Diego, I ask you, what is hot and what is fresh? And then I will remember that you didn't have a game. And I will turn to nothing, Rodrigo. Nothing. And I will ask him. Nothing's hot, nothing's <laughs> Nothing fresh. hot and fresh for me. <laughs> Terrible. Then I'll have to ask Rodrigo. Rodrigo, I need you to make up for the fact that Diego had nothing and the fact that I already asked him and then forgot that he had nothing. <laughs> I need you to tell me what is hot <laughs> and what is fresh. Uh, yeah, there is a game coming out on most systems, I think, including, well, I guess I know for sure Steam and the Switch. I don't know if it is coming out on other systems, too. I would imagine that it is. Uh, it's called Tunche, and the reason why I wanted to call it out is that it is, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to speak out of term here. It, it has a strong relation to Peru. I don't know if, like, the creators are Peruvian. I think they are. The developers are from Peru. The developers yeah, are the from Peru. The studio itself, and so, I think, yeah. It's a, it's a beat-em-up. It's like a hand-drawn 2D beat-em-up with some roguelike elements, uh, some local co-op. And you you use four uh, different Peruvian-based uh, uh, characters, like, you know, the jungle Inca kind of pulled from this all this mythology. And also, randomly, Hat Girl, who was uh, mm-hmm. from in time. her own game, I Had in, I had in Time. And uh, so you can choose one of these five characters. I think it looks great. I'm really excited. I- I've been wanting to get into a beat-em-up since I saw the Ninja Turtles trailer. Still waiting for that game to come out. I think maybe this is what's going to uh, patch that that hole until that comes out. Perfect. Well, Diego, we've brought you all of these options for you to bring mm-hmm. uh, these hot and fresh games. So we hope you do enjoy them. They're fresh out of the oven. Except for Solitaire Conspiracy. I think they came out like last year. But it's now <laughs> on PS5. So it's new to me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Something that is not so new to us is this segment 
called Sub and Remaster. This is where one of us on the podcast brings up a game, they would like it remastered. The other two on the podcast will usually just say like, yeah, we, we also wanted uh, remastered. So let's go with that. Let's do that. This week, gentlemen, I ask you, remaster a game. It was made in 2010 by Beanox, who made a couple of not great Spider-Man games and are now reduced to a support studio for Skylanders and Call of Duty. The game I need remastered is called Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. Came out on the PS3, the 360. Game revolves around an artifact that is known as the Tablet of Order and Chaos. When it is shattered into pieces during a fight between Spider-Man and Mysterio, causes problems in the multiverse, Madame Webb calls on four versions of Spider-Man from four different realities to assist in bringing them back into balance. So the four different Spider-Man that you play as are the Amazing Spider-Man, who is pretty much like the base red and blue Spider-Man that you all know. Spider-Man Noir, which is the black and white kind of 60s detective Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2099, which is the Spider-Man way in the future 2099. And the Ultimate Spider-Man, which is the symbiote version that you will be playing as. So players control four different versions of the Spider-Man. They each have their own story, their own setting, and largely their own systems of combat. So the game goes back and forth between the different Spider-Man as they attempt to retrieve these pieces of these tablets. They got to bring them back together. They have to stop Mysterio. The enemies in these different versions are also changed a little bit based on the area and the time. I think is real neat. Uh, all the levels are basically very linear rather than the open world games we've expected from Spider-Man at this point. But they all have very different settings and gameplay to kind of keep things fresh. So for the gameplay for all these different versions. So the Amazing Spider-Man is kind of like the basic Spider-Man. You're webbing people, you're punching, you're kicking, you're, you're quipping when something funny and witty comes to mind. Spider-Man Noir, the levels are all black and white and are entirely stealth based. So there's pretty much almost no combat because if you fight in this version, you get shot like almost immediately by guys with like their Tommy guns. It's pretty much the only version where you're not really fighting everyone. You're just stealthing the whole time. Spider-Man 2099 has an altered version mode that allows you to slow down time while you're fighting people. Also has a lot of sequences where you're basically falling down these buildings to catch enemies and you're dodging debris and stuff like that. And then finally, Ultimate Spider-Man, you're in the symbiote suit. You're attacking uh, mostly people from like mid-range. You have these like tentacle arms that you're throwing out. You also have a rage mode that you activate to help take out enemies. It's real neat. They also made a sequel called Spider-Man Edge of Time. It was released in October 2011. Although it only had Spider-Man, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, and then Spider-Man 2099. I've said Spider-Man a lot of fucking times in this segment. <laughs> Both the game and its sequel were delisted from the PlayStation Network and Xbox Live Marketplace in 2014. They were then re-released on Steam in 2015, but were then removed again in 2017. So gentlemen, this is the game that I need remade because for some reason I didn't play it on the PS3. And I don't know what was wrong with me. Seemed like it would be real cool. Be fun to play. For me, I think we should be adding DLC, obviously, with additional Spider-Man. For me, I would like a level based entirely on the Spider-Man animated show from 1994. I imagine the gameplay will probably just be like the same gameplay as the first Spider-Man. I think it would be cool to play a little setting like that. Mm -hmm. like, so, gentlemen, I turn to you. Yeah, go ahead. Like the Fox Kids cartoon. That's the one you're saying, yes. right? Yeah, that's exactly the one I'm talking awesome. about. That's, that's what I want the DLC. For sure. The so gentlemen, I am I'm tired of saying Spider-Man over and over in this segment. <laughs> I must ask you guys, A, will you be funding this? And B, if you have any other Spider-Man and levels of different Spider-Man that you would want in this game. Rodrigo, do I have your your money? I think like if you go for a Marvel game, you already know that you have my money. I'm pandering before at this point. you even start it, right? So a hundred percent I agree. I also think to to your call out about the nineties Spider-Man. Uh, he already kind of had an arc where he was traveling between worlds due to Madame Web in that animated show, mm. so it kind of already lends itself He's to done. that. He he also had a really other good arc where he was sent to, it was like the Beyonder had sent him to this planet, and he kind of goes to a computer and just downloads people from different universes, and he brings in uh, like the Fantastic Four, he brings in Storm, like other other characters that were on Fox shows at the time. Uh, so I think like, even if you want to get even bigger than that, like it wouldn't be entirely out of the blue. I will say, uh, there's a lot more variations of Peter Parker that you can bring in, or perhaps, you know, like not Peter Parker at all. Like both, uh, Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales are very successful spider characters in the comic books. And I think, you know, they've, they've been becoming more popular outside of that too. 
So why not do some of that? Like the the Spider-Verse movie, I think, is one of the best Marvel movies that has come out, if not the best Marvel movie that has ever come out. And, you know, like you got to see some other characters. So I think maybe we should lean into that. But, you know, you had my money from the get go. So what else could be said? I should have just skipped over the segment. I was like, Rodrigo, like a Spider-Man game. You're like, yes, (laughs) sure. Let's do that. Diego, are you down for the Spider-Man game? And what Spider-Man DLC would be included in this game? I'm down for the Spider-Man game. First of all, I've played this game before and I thought it was a lot of fun. I did like the idea of them uh, trying, you know, just showing you the different gameplay styles from each Spider-Man. So, yeah, I think it was a good concept back in the day. Uh, It was a little bit missing uh, out on gameplay because of, uh, I guess, the I guess the PS3 didn't have enough capacity to run like bigger levels. Right. So that way it did become a little bit more straightforward so yeah i think uh if there was a remake to be made i i wish it was kind of like the new spider-man game but you could just switch from one spider-man to the other that'd be awesome and of course my one big condition to all this is i want to see spider ham spider ham in this mm. new game now rodrigo was talking about <laughs> into the spider-verse uh both, <laughs> both him spider ham and that uh What's that robotic anime looking? The robotic <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man. I, I can't remember. Oh, what why not? Let's add, yeah. let's add all these Spider-Verse characters into these games. I mean, I, I do like uh, the, the concept of Spider-Verse and we're getting on uh, the verge of this thing, this thing like blowing up now that like the new Spider-Man movie is kind of like kind of going to deal with that. So it would be a really smart idea to, you know, kind of do as much as you can with the whole Spider-Verse. I think it's always a, a great adventure for Peter Parker. And I mean, I, I can't wait to, to see what they could do with like all these different Spider-Mans in one universe. Oh, perfect. We might have to find a new developer because immediately, almost immediately after this game, they made the the Amazing Spider-Man movie tie-in game, which was not great. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason after that, they were, they were reduced to being a support studio and they only helped with like Skylanders and Call of Duty. So not even <laughs> making their own games anymore. Oh, man. So we need an original my- studio. Where's my Daredevil version of this? You know, Daredevil Noir was a better book, I think, than Spider-Man Noir. And yet Spider-Man Noir is fucking everywhere. And Daredevil Noir has never been seen again since the <laughs> comic book series. Rodrigo, I feel like this anger is should have been uh, put into another segment on the show when we were trying to pitch Marvel games <laughs> That's for true. someone to be making. The X-Men Noir book was good, too. I don't know why only Spider-Man Noir ever gets any love. Whatever. Spider- What's funny Spider-Man is, is I- a beloved character, though. <laughs> like I didn't even know that there were other noir versions. I thought it was just Spider-Man noir. That's how erased the, this whole noir timeline has been from society. Amy Hennig, if you're still listening to the segment, please make a Daredevil noir for Rodrigo. <laughs> he, needs, he needs it desperately, apparently. And then it does bring us to our final segment of the show. It brings us to our final boss. One final thing for us to slay a question from you listeners. If you want to ask us, make sure you ask us at Another Castle CA. We'll ask you a question on the show. This week, I must find out. And we're a little late because we had to ask the question about Zelda last week. Otherwise, it wouldn't be timely and it would be mm-hmm. weird. So this week, I'm postponing the Halloween festivities. I'm uh, bringing them to now. Rodrigo, put away the Christmas stuff that you've already taken out. It is still spooky season in honor of Halloween. I must find out. What is your favorite spooky game? Spooky game doesn't have to be horror necessarily, just something with a good spooky vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And for me, I play so few games with any kind of atmosphere that is spooky whatsoever. <laughs> I couldn't even think of anything. But then I remembered that Infamous, which will soon be coming to PlayStation Five, had a so essentially it was kind of like uh, it was like DLC, but also a whole new game where you didn't have to buy the original game to it, and it was called Festival of Blood. And basically what happens in this game is you are a vampire and you must find a way to basically stop being a vampire before the night ends. Because then once the sun comes out, not great for vampires. I don't know if you guys have... Oh, I'm not going to spoil That's a television show people might not have seen. But the whole point... Are you saying that people are going to be spoiled that vampires are out <laughs> in the light? No, I'm trying I think to... people know that. I'm trying to dance around Midnight Mass. So oh, okay. <laughs> basically this game... Uh, the whole setting is basically like right when Christmas or when uh, Halloween is happening. So everyone's out with little costumes and whatnot. Some of the costumes are vampires because they're straight up vampires. So you have to throw stakes through them. <laughs> I thought it was real cool. I hope it is eventually included in the inevitable remaster of these infamous games we're getting. I think that would be nice. That is my favorite spooky. 
Diego, I turn to you next in honor of Halloween, your favorite spooky game. Uh, my favorite scoop, scoopy, uh, spooky game <laughs> is Scooby-Doo. Yes. As, no, no. Actually, there was a Scooby-Doo game I used to play, but it's not my favorite spooky game. <laughs> uh, my, I guess the series that I love uh, is Resident Evil. I'd, I'd say that's the one that falls under this category. Uh, I remember I remember when I was a kid, I would visit my cousins and uh, they had a PlayStation. And I remember that was the first time I was ever exposed to final the Final Fantasy series and the Resident Evil series. And I remember really liking those games because, you know, uh, I, at least Resident Evil, it was a really nice blend of jump scares and puzzle solving. Mm-hmm. And I do like a good puzzle solve uh, solving situation in video games. So that's the one that kind of stuck with me. I don't think that I've had that much exposure to spooky games uh, either because horror was never really my preferred genre in any sort of medium. I'd say in movies or in books, my my preference has always been towards sci-fi. So I guess that I kind of had that same sentiment towards video games. But when I saw Resident Evil, that definitely caught my attention uh, because of, you know, the challenges of just having to solve puzzles and run away from zombies at the same time. I think that uh, that game works so well uh, as far as jump scares. I, I think it works better in video games, at least that's my opinion, than than they do in movies. Uh, when I watch a movie, I feel I, I feel like I'm not as engaged as I am uh, as if I were playing a video game. And in the case of Resident Evil, that's like, you know, one of my constant memories is just having to run away from big bad guys like Nemesis that just like randomly chase you down a hallway. And once you finally make it away, like... Uh, make your way to safety you you have like a few moments where you have to solve a puzzle and then the game uh kind of reminds you like oh wait but in order for you to solve this part of the puzzle you need to go all the way back from where you were chased so then that causes the anxiety of you having to open that door again and wondering if nemesis is waiting behind there or not right so that's the one thing that resident evil does really well i think is like those jump scares is like a constant thing in the game and that's one of the things that i love about that series and i play it like you know i i followed it from the very beginning to this day it's it's definitely the spooky game that i go to every time that uh too spooky for me i must turn to rodrigo rodrigo i need something less spooky and i need you to tell me your favorite spooky game sorry just to get to to piggyback on what diego was saying i think one of the main reasons why resident evil is so good is because especially more so i guess the the beginning of the franchise is that it is uh, has like a, a depth of puzzle uh, requirement that have you so concentrating on trying to figure it out that it's like the minute that you get attacked yeah. by like some powerful zombie, you're just like, well, holy shit, I forgot, forgot. that that's yeah. what this game exactly. was, was what it was doing. Right. And so I think like to your point about like how movies don't necessarily engage in the same way, I think that's true because. You know, like if you're the one that's doing the puzzle solving in the game, like your your brain is forgetting like all the other stuff that you're supposed to do. And I think it just builds up the tension. I think also like the fact that the saves are somewhat limited, like you mm-hmm. can just hit pause, right? You have to find that typewriter. And it's, it's just a great game. Like I'm, I've, I've never played it. I've seen Diego play it often. And I do. I would echo that it is such a such a strong franchise, especially if you're going for that vibe near Halloween. Uh, the one that I chose uh, to go with, I guess before I go with that one, I do want to give a shout out to Castlevania. You know, Diego and I are both big fans of the Castlevania franchise. Uh, the music is just outstanding. I feel like when, when you, like Halloween, like if you put on a Halloween playlist, it's kind of rough. Like you get, you get to Thriller and then, I don't know, <laughs> the, like the Monster theme. Mash, the, the Ghostbusters theme, yeah. theme. Like it's pretty, uh, but I think like if you want to have like a good vibe, throw on like a, a, a Castlevania soundtrack and you're going to be sure. good for like a good hour and a half. Of that vibe, but the the game that I chose to go with is uh, one from a franchise that will not be unfamiliar to a lot of people that have listened to this podcast. I went with The Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask. Now, if you haven't played this game, the reason why it is so creepy, and I would say even beyond creepy, it is like dark, is that the whole plot of the game is that you have seventy two hours to save the world, right? Like as the, the it's, it's basically three days and it's um, kind of signaled by the fact that every day that you start, it says like the dawn of the first day, the dawn of the second day, the dawn of the third day. And a- as this is happening, like the moon is coming closer and closer to, to crash with Hyrule. And it's not just any moon. It is the moon with the creepiest mm. face you have ever seen. And throughout these three days, it's not just like the, the impending doom 
that is like you know going to end you can start to see these characters like the music for example gets darker and darker like more sinister a sinister undertone every day that gets closer to the end of the world you start seeing characters that are basically making their peace with it dying and in almost insinuating that they are going to commit suicide before Mm -hmm. uh the the day the third day ends like you have uh a man that is going to study uh mummies in the region in in the region and starts to become a mummy there is uh the like insinuation of a lot of very dark things that are happening throughout this i think like the way that this game kind of came about is i wanted to do a sequel of ocarina of time and reuse a lot of the assets and so the the unique spin that they found for it was doing a, a lot of this dark stuff and i think it it's helped by the fact that the character that you're playing with is a child right and so i mean like this game to be honest, it, it it has it has made me feel the most unnerved that any game has ever done in a long time. Like every time you put on a mask and Link transforms into that, it's basically a mask of a dead character, and you're kind of almost transforming through their pain into becoming this. And so it's like a very like horrifying scream that you do every time you transform into one of the characters putting on a mask. Like uh, the entire game is excellent. I, I would say it's definitely creepy, creepy, creepy. Well, something that we hope was not creepy was this episode. And we thank you for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on all the socials at Another Castle CA. But also, most importantly, it's dangerous to go alone. So take this podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs>